Hopefully, if you are around in the rock era, you recognize that Boston's peace of mind. Uh, Maybe it resonates with all of us because A, it has a phenomenal beat, uh, and B, aren't we all kind of longing for that peace of mind? I mean, how elusive is peace of mind for each and every one of us? I want to read you a couple of lyrics from that song later on. It says this. Now, everybody's got advice they just keep on giving. Doesn't mean that much to me. Now, listen to this. This is very interesting. Lots of people out to make believe they're living. Can't decide who they should be. I understand about indecision, but I don't care if I get behind People living in competition, and all I want is to find my peace of mind. Well, peace of mind is something that seems so elusive, does it not? And peace of mind is something that we all long for. You I mean you long for it right now? Where are you? What's, what's going on in your life? What's, what's robbing your joy? What's, what's stealing your peace of mind? Finding peace of mind under the sun is a very difficult thing to do. We've been navigating through this book of Ecclesiastes. It's one of the most unusual yet compelling, awesome books in all of the Bible. And it's basically this. It's basically an examination of life. What is life like under the sun, which is really saying, what is life like without God? And how in the world could you ever find peace of mind? Especially because the conclusion that the author makes, the conclusion, and we're not sure he calls himself a preacher, a teacher, it leads us to believe that this is Solomon, the wisest of men, the richest of men in the Bible. But the conclusion of life is this. He says, all of life is vanity. All of life under the sun without God, is, it's, it's meaningless. It's, it's a vapor. I mean, there's no take-home pay. There's nothing gained. There's, there's nothing remembered. It's a tall order trying to find peace of mind underneath the sun. Especially, it's impossible without God. One of the beauties of this book is just the way that the author, this preacher, leads us to come to conclusions. He kind of meanders his way through life. As a matter of fact, much of the book is his observation of, of life and the things that he's tried to find that peace of mind. He's, he's tried wisdom. He's tried pleasure. He, he's tried whatever life has to offer. And the beauty of this book is this. It, it lets us kind of meander through life with him. And so we come to this conclusion that it's like, man, we can't find peace of mind under the sun. And it leads us beautifully to the only place where we can find peace of mind. Something above the sun. Something beyond the sun. And something, I'm going to tell you, the scripture says, in the sun. But the S-O-N. In the sun, Jesus. Well, today, as we make our way through Ecclesiastes, we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And we're going to see three things, three, I will tell you, kind of kind of like counterintuitive turns in life that will help us navigate this life to help us find that which is most elusive, that peace of mind. Three things. The first one is this. It might surprise you. But this passage is going to say, if you want peace of mind, you should submit yourself to earthly authority. If you want peace of mind, it doesn't come from rebelling. It doesn't come from chaos. It comes from submitting to earthly authority. But that's not enough. 
If you want peace of mind, you have to be trusting. Trusting in God's sovereignty. That's a big word, sovereignty of God. And and for those of you who maybe uh, are not around uh, church or the Bible, maybe that's a new word. Trusting in God's sovereignty is basically saying this, trusting in the fact that God tells us that he is in absolute control of everything. Doesn't that push us to the limit? I mean, can you look around the world and, and, and although the Bible tells us of a God who has every single atom, every single nation, every single person under his control, and the reality is this, is that you and I will never find peace of mind without knowing the truth and the reality that God truly is sovereign in control of all things. And then thirdly, finding joy in the midst of the journey. How's your joy meter right now? What are you bringing in here? Uh, how's, how's your peace of mind meter right now? I mean, for some of you, I hope and prayer that, pray that your life is filled with joy and filled with a peace of mind. But for many of us, this is a struggle. This is a burden because is it not true that this life is hard? That this life is, is difficult? And sometimes joy, it just seems so daggum elusive. And peace of mind seems so fleeting. In the midst of that, there's a God who loves you. In the midst of that, there's a God who wants to speak to you. In the midst of that, God's word is for us this morning to to help us find that peace of mind underneath the sun. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. And we're going to look at the entire 17 verses of Ecclesiastes 8. But let me warn you again, this crazy book of Ecclesiastes, it says some of the, some of the most bizarre things. You're going to hear them again this morning. And although this book was, was written a long time ago, and although this book is what we classify as wisdom literature, it's a, it's a little different way of, of the, God, the Bible speaking to us, a little bit more like going into an art gallery. And although it was written a long time ago and written with a different genre, the reality is this. God's word says that these words are God's very words. If they were written by Solomon or not, we don't know for sure. But but God breathed his very being upon these words. And so here's the point. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter where peace of mind is for you right now, God loves you and wants to speak to you through his word. Now, this word is not just something to entertain you. This, this word is God's word to transform you. This, this word is a gift to us that will lead us to the sun and lead us to the peace of mind that we all long for. So let's hear God's word and place ourselves under its authority. I'll read aloud if you read along with me silently. If you don't have a Bible, it's in your bulletin and the word should be behind me as well. Ecclesiastes verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go away from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? 
Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and go out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also, it's, it's vanity, it's meaningless. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of children uh, the heart of children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know this, it will, not, it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. Let's just hit pause here for a minute. One of the most joyful things we could do this month is to bring our seniors up and to pray for them. Wasn't that awesome? And just to realize that they're going into a world that will say, do whatever you want to do. And really, in wickedness, you seem to prolong your life. But this passage says, it won't go well with you. The only way it will go well is if you love and trust God and and pursue hard after him. My hope and prayer is not just for our young people, but for all of us that we believe that the best life we could live is loving and knowing and fearing God. Verse 14, there is a vanity that keeps place, that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and that there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I say that this also is vanity, and I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat And drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep, then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find out. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you again for this glorious word of yours. And God, through the first read of this, it's so confusing and there's so much meaning here. And and God, only you can help us know what, what is the theme that you are telling to us. What is it you have for us that, that we can find even this morning, each and every one of us, that which seems so elusive, that peace of mind, that joy in the journey. So God, what is abundantly clear is that you and you alone must be the teacher for us to understand, the preacher, for us to understand what this word says and means 
to us and to this church here and now. God, would you be pleased to do that which only you could do? Would you be pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me? Would you be pleased to give us ears to hear your voice and and minds that understand your words and and hearts that embrace your truth and, and your love? And would you be with us so tangibly that you would give us feet that that walk in a manner worthy of your name? The name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And we pray all these things, Father, in your son's matchless name. Amen. If you want to follow along with me, there's an outline for you in your bulletin as we begin our trek this morning to find this elusive peace of mind under the sun. And the first thing we're going to see is this, is uh, kind of interesting, the, the way, the path of finding the peace of mind is submitting wisely to earthly authority, submitting wisely to earthly authority. And there's, there's three reasons this text gives us why you and I, as Christians, are called to submit wisely to earthly authority. And the first one is this, submitting because God is the one who has established all authority. In verse 2, it says it this way. It's, it's God is the one who has given that oath, the oath to, to the king, to those that he has called into power. It'd probably be helpful if we look at the rest of Scripture and see a little bit more of what this says. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, uh, I'm going to read the first two verses. It really deals with how God himself has established all authority. And it says this, it might surprise you, but listen to what God's word says about earthly authority. Romans 13, verses 1 and 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. I mean, Scripture is abundantly clear that, that authority, in some clear way, although it's mysterious, all of it is under the authority of God. Well, let's look at another passage to, to make this even clearer in, in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. It says this. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people. Well, again, what we clearly see through Scripture is why should we submit to earthly authority? Well, God's the one who's established it. And God is the one who has raised it up. But it's more than just the fact that it's God who's behind all of this. There's a second thing is this. Submit to it because, well, it's prudent if you do. It goes well with you if you do. And see in verse 5, it says that no evil thing will come upon you if you submit to earthly authority. Now, you know this as well as I do. That's not a universal truth. It's not like if you obey earthly authority, no evil thing is going to come upon you. But what it's saying is this, is it goes well with you. It's smart. It's street smarts for you to obey the laws of the land. Amen? Let me tell you how. 
I'm making my way over here this morning. I'm coming down Wymore. I'm going to turn left onto Sandspur. And one of our finest Maitland Police Departments, I notice, is tucked back in a little neighborhood. Going to take a little look-see to see uh, how I'm driving. And i am got a bad habit. i got to tell you, I don't always put on my seatbelt. I'm saying, oh, my goodness. I don't have my seatbelt on. And how fast am I going? I didn't get a ticket. By God's grace, I had a little time this morning. I wasn't going that fast. And I was able to quickly reach over and do what I should have done when I started. Buckle up. Although I had about 100 yards left of a drive. But here's the point. It's going to go well with you to submit to authority. Hello? I mean, you know, if you want to have peace of mind, the only way you can have peace of mind is to start with the reality that, that all authority that you see, listen, all authority you see, God is behind it. There's no peace of mind if you don't believe that. And secondly, there's no peace of mind if you don't realize that it's going to go well with you. If, if you think that all your life you're supposed to buck the system, if all your life you're supposed to create your own way, if all your life is supposed to be in rebellion to authority, then, then you won't have peace of mind. But I love how, how wonderfully practical this is because it says, yes, authority's been established by God, and yes, it's going to go really well with you if, if you fly in formation, but, but submit to authority wisely because you want to know why? All authority is crooked. All authority on earth is broken. All, all of it's crooked now. I'm not saying that everybody in power is, is a bad person. I mean, there's, there's lovers of Jesus that are, that are called and are doing wonderful things the best they can. But it's saying, overarchingly, under the sun, all authority is crooked and broken. Let's examine that for a minute. Authority, according to this passage, uses power for their own gain. Verse 3. Did you hear what it says about the one in power, the king? It says he does whatever he pleases. I mean, he just does what feels good for him. I mean, authority, this authority is not looking out for us. Do politicians look out for us or they look out for themselves? I mean, does it seem like we live in a world that those who have power just look after those that have power and their own gain? So, so be wise. You want to find peace of mind. God tells you to submit to authority. God, God tells you it's going to go well with you, but he tells you be smart about it because you know what? They kind of have a tendency just to look out for themselves. They use power for their own gain. Worse than that, they use power for their own advantage. That's in verse 9. You want to look at verse 9. It says, man had the power over man to his own hurt because we're so broken, because we're so sinful. Instead of loving one another, we often take power to abuse one another. I mean, look through history. It's so painful how we've used power to the hurt of our neighbors. Well, not only is power for their own gain or for their own advantage, they use power to pervert justice. It says it in verse 11. It says that there's a problem with the justice because they were slow to execute the sentence of evil deeds. Is that not true of our own society? They were slow to execute the, the, the sentence of evil deeds. They were like, ah, oh, whatever. Do whatever feels good with you. And, and if, it, if it feels good, that's fine. And because, it says, it's very interesting, because the, those in power are slow to execute judgment, it says that our hearts have become fully evil. They're already evil. They're already leaning that way. But when you live in a broken world and a perverted justice, we realize that that just promotes evil hearts. So earthly authority... It's crooked, but even worse than that, it uses religion for its own gain. Look at verse 10, one of the most difficult passages to try to understand uh, what it's trying to say to us. 
It says the wicked will perish. Well, we, we know that there's an end to them. But it says that while they were alive, they would go in and out of holy places and they would receive the praise of men. And so I was like, are they going in and out of Jerusalem? Are they going out of, in and out of the temple? But what they were really doing is, it was incredible evil. They were using religion for their own gain. Have you seen that? Have you seen the politician who wants to say, God bless America. I mean, I'm going to use religion to get your vote. I'm going to try to do the things that make you believe that, that I'm with you and I'm for you. That's repugnant. And that's what it says, have wisdom to obey authority. Because they even use religion for their own purposes, for the praise of men instead of the glory of God. And yet, even though that's what authority is, yet we are wisely to submit to authority. Have the wisdom to deal with it. I mean, the Bible's filled with those who, who are in the midst of an evil culture that, that had to wisely, shrewdly obey God and navigate the waters. Think, think about Joseph. Think about Joseph. The Bible tells us about Joseph in Egypt and how God raised him up in the midst of a pagan land to, to shine for him. Think of, think of Daniel and, and, and Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. And although he was forbidden to pray, that he was going to continue to worship his God and just navigate those waters wisely. Think of Esther. Think of Esther and how she too showed wisdom and yet submission to authority. It says this about us. It says, keep the king's commands. Well, anytime you hear that as a Christian, I think, well, king, the ultimate king is Jesus. And hello, keep Jesus's commands, right? But this is something different. This is saying, keep the king's, the authority's commands. Why? Because, well, remember, God has placed them there. Submit to authority. It's God's oath. And maybe Jesus would say it this way. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but render to God the things that are God's. You see, we got to keep the king's commands that honor our king. It also says this, don't, don't be hasty in leaving his presence. This, this thought of leaving his presence in the Old Testament, it's rebellion. It's, it's turning your back to the king. He's basically saying, don't be hasty to just start a coup. Don't be hasty to rebel. Honor God and, and listen be smart of when to ignore the rules and when to say, no, God's calling me to something else. It's good to keep the command to avoid evil things that come about upon us. But then it says something I think is most interesting. It says, wisdom is needed. Godly wisdom is needed for knowing the timing and the just way, the procedure for obeying. Let's, just, let's, just, let's unpack that for a minute because there's so much there. Is life not all about timing? A timing in a just way. Okay, let's talk about that with marriage. Is there a good timing and way to deal with issues in your marriage? How important is timing? How important is the way you are going to uh, navigate your relationship? How about with parenting? How about when you have a wayward son or daughter? How, how important is, is your timing? I mean, do you want to speak to them out of your anger? Although you do. Uh, do you want to speak to them when they can't hear? I mean, timing is so important in life, is it not? And not only way, the procedure in which you're going to go about doing it, and this is just so amazingly practical of God's word, saying, listen, you want peace of mind? you got to work on your timing. You want peace of mind? you got to work on your procedure. You want peace of mind? It's going to ultimately come by the way you navigate through life and submitting to authority for God's glory. 
That's so much timing. But even so, with our wisdom, yet what, one thing that's abundantly clear about the book of Ecclesiastes is our wisdom's limited. We don't know everything. And if you want peace of mind, it's not just going to be you being a little smarter with better timing. You need more. Why? Because, again, our wisdom comes to an end. Let's look at a couple of those passages it tells us. Man does not know what is to be, in verse 7. And I love how it amplifies that. Man doesn't know how it will be. Those who are waking up because of tornadoes that ripped through their communities this morning, their life is completely different than they, what they thought it was yesterday. You don't know what tomorrow holds, do you? I mean, you think you got your schedule worked out, but do you really know what tomorrow's going to be like? This is basically saying, man doesn't know what's going to be. And he doesn't know how it's going to be. So how in the world, let's stop, stop. How in the world can you and I find peace of mind if we don't even know what tomorrow's going to be? Hmm. Our wisdom has an end to it. It says that man doesn't have the power to retain the spirit. And then trying to unpack this, commentators will say, well, it's obvious man doesn't have the power to prolong his life. But it's even more than that. Man doesn't have the power to even control himself. Have you found that to be true? Have you found the reality that you don't even have the control to keep yourself from the same addictions you over and over and over and over again exercise? Have you found the, the, the fact that you haven't had the power of your spirit of anger or jealousy or materialism or rage? You see, the, the wisdom in a broken man, is just, it just comes to an end. Uh, we can't even control our own lives. Man does not have the power over the day of his death. Scripture says for every single one of us that before one of your days came to be, they were all written down. You and I do not have the ability to prolong what God has already established. It may be 120 years that everybody's singing kumbaya by your bedside or it may be something tragic today. How can we have peace of mind when we have no idea what is next. How do we have peace of mind? Not only that, it says that man doesn't have the power to disengage the war. That we don't have the power to disengage the war that still rages inside of us. There are wars inside of us that, that we still aren't who we want to be. We still don't live the way that we should. Or the disengage from the war around us. And... Our wisdom often leads to hurting others. I love how this is summarized. It's summarized in verse 17. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot Find it out. This is basically saying us this. If you want peace of mind, you want joy in the journey, you're never going to be smart enough. And yes, submitting to earthly authority is the start, but there's more. And the second thing is this, trusting in God's sovereignty. Trusting in the rule and reign of Christ over everything, including your own life. In verses 12 and 13, it will mention three times, it is well for those who fear God. It goes well with us. Because fearing God is putting God above ourselves. It is realizing that there is a God who is in control. This fearing God is a very interesting theme. It runs its way through all of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and certainly through the book of Ecclesiastes. 
It's going to land and conclude that this whole matter is basically fearing God and keeping his commandments. And again, for some of us, like, what does that mean? Let me try again another way of explaining it. It's two things. It's trembling trust in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the despair, in the midst of of your brokenness. It's trembling trust that there is a God who is for you. It's trembling trust that there is a God who right now is reigning and ruling. It's trembling trust, believing that God is not only with us, that God is for us, and that God one day will lead us home. It's trembling trust that knows that he is different than us. He's creator, eternal God, but he is intimately close with us as Emmanuel, a God with us. It's trembling trust, but it's also righteous reverence. That we're living our lives knowing that he is holy, 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 like we sang. That he's called us to a different lifestyle and with righteous reverence living for him. You see, trust in God's sovereignty that he is in control. And with that, we have joy and contentment in the life God has given to us. This is so important. Listen, he says, in the midst of all the craziness, I commend joy. I commend joy to you, even in the simple things like eating and, and drinking. Why? When you see that life is a gift. When you see that life isn't something you're trying to earn. Life is not something you're trying to carve out for yourself. Life isn't something you're trying to make for yourself. But when you realize and you trust in the sovereignty of God, that is God himself, through his gracious hands, has given you what you have, has made you like you are, has surrounded you with what you have. It's God. And the only way you'll ever have peace of mind, the only way you can ever have joy in the journey is to have that trust and that joy that that life is about God's grace. It's the grace of God that your lungs right now are filling up with oxygen. It's the grace of God that your heart is right now beating. It's the grace of God that he has given you life. And in Christ Jesus, you ready for this? Life abundantly. And the only way to have peace of mind is to trust in the God who rules and reigns over all things and is graciously unfolding his plan in your life. Life isn't random. His plan isn't random. He's not up there thinking, I wonder what's going to happen today. He doesn't wake up and say, well, let's see what happens to our people. No, no, no. This is all a part of a sovereign God's plan of unfolding history that will point us to his glory and a day that's coming that we will forever be with him. Oh, how I long for that day. We will never have peace of mind until that reality is is, is with us. We have peace of mind in the worst of times. If we trust in God's providence, do you hear that? We can have peace of mind in the worst of times if we truly trust in God's reign and rule, his providence. Because why? God is with you. How dark is it right now? God is with you. I mean, how far do you feel like home? God is with you. How broken are the pieces? God is with you. And God is almighty. God God has you. God has the pieces. God has the brokenness. God has dealt with the sinfulness. We have today, in Christ Jesus, we have and will forever have communion and union with the God of the universe. And that's how we have peace of mind. And the God who has us, you ready for this? He has the whole world. He really does. He is in control of all things. Man, does he like push the limit on that belief? I mean, Is somehow ISIS in the control of a sovereign God? If it's not, 
He's not sovereign. And it's hard to know. I mean, how can holy God allow evil things like this? And, and he tells it that there's coming a day where, where wickedness will be dealt with. It doesn't end well for them. There's coming a day and, and the kingdom has come, but it hasn't come fully. And he's basically saying this. Do you want peace of mind? You're going to have to walk by faith. You're going to have to walk by faith in the darkness. You're going to have to, to trust that God is really in control. You will never have peace until you know that God is in control. He says, trust my promises, do you? I mean, just trust my promises. I mean, live on them. I mean, live your life right there. What has he promised? He's promised to be with us. He's, he's promised to make us home, to get us home. But I really think that we lose the peace of mind when we think that God promises us things that he hasn't. He didn't promise us an easy life. As a matter of fact, Scripture is pretty clear that it's the opposite. He says, any of you want to live a godly life, you're going to be persecuted. And don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that you're going through. I mean, this is a broken, crooked, messed up world. And so if you think that you're not getting something because this world should be a lot easier, he's not promised you that. But he's promised resolution in the midst of all of it. He's promised intimacy in the midst of all of it. He's promised that one day there'll be no more tears. One day there'll be no more brokenness. One day the, the kingdom will come in its fullness, but it's not today. Unless he comes back. So are you trusting what God has promised or are you brokenhearted for what he really hasn't promised? Lastly, finding joy in the midst of the journey. Oh, finding joy in the midst of the journey is finding joy in the Son, the Son of God, under the Son. The ultimate peace of mind can only come from Jesus, and only in Jesus is our joy complete. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, said this about a baby that was going to be born. And it tells us this in great, beautiful names, like Wonderful Counselor. But in the midst of those names, you're ready for a name that we just need to have to have peace of mind. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, which makes it say that this, that, that in person of Jesus, personified is peace in Jesus. And he's the Prince of Peace. He rules and reigns over peace. He is the fountainhead of peace. He is where peace begins and ends and continually flows. Without Jesus, no peace. Without Jesus, we will never have that peace of mind because it only comes from the peace, Prince of Peace. And the beautiful thing is Jesus is our King. He is our King that we've been called to submit our whole lives to, to, to lay our lives down for him, whose commandments we are to keep. And, and following hard after Jesus, you ready for this? We find our joy. We find our peace. Why? Because unlike the world, Jesus, listen, Jesus uses power, and this is God's eternal power, for our gain. He uses it for our gain. Jesus has defeated his and our enemies, sin and death, through his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus, for, for our gain, for our life and life abundantly, used every resource he had to draw you into a loving relationship with himself, his Father, and Spirit. Every powerful thing he had, he, he used his power to our advantage. Scripture says, although he was rich, he, for your sake, for my sake, he, he became poor. He, he emptied himself out of everything but love. He became poor. Why? So that through his poverty, through his cross, we could be made rich. We could be made his sons, his daughters, the heirs of Christ. 
He used his power and authority to our advantage. He used his power to restore justice and make all things new. He used even religion for his Father's glory as it should be used and for our benefit. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He says it this way. He gives us his peace. The Prince of Peace, he's saying to us, to you right now, no matter where you are in the midst of your brokenheartedness, no matter where you are in the wilderness, no matter where you are in your sinfulness, Jesus says these words, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The only way, the only way to have peace of mind is to realize that authority was given to us by God and we submit to it, but that's not enough. It's, it's to realize that God truly is the sovereign reigning king. And it's truly to realize that finding joy in the midst of the journey, that the Prince of Peace has come. How is it with you? Is he reigning and ruling over your life? The only way you'll find peace is if Jesus is your Prince of Peace. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that in the midst of this struggle, you give us joy because you've given us Jesus. You've given us one who is peace personified. You've given us one who is the fountainhead of all peace. And Jesus, you came to live for us and to die for us and be resurrected so that you could leave with us until you bring us home or come back for us. The Prince of Peace is peace. So that as we live our lives in this crooked and broken world that doesn't add up and make sense, that everything seems like vanity. For your children, we have this great gift. We're yours and we're forgiven and we're free. And you've given us joy in the midst of the journey because we found peace with the God who is. God, for those of us in this room, and I'm sure there's many, that peace of mind seems so fleeting. God, would you just press deeply into their very beings, your being and your love and your word and your truth. And the Prince of Peace, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.